give a hand to the orchestra. Stand up, stand up, orchestra. We love and honored that you're here with us. And our praise team, huh? What a wonderful way to celebrate the third Sunday of Advent. Won't you all please be seated? It's Pink Candle Sunday, which means joy. And uh, Joy to the World is our theme song and this uh, sermon series of salvation songs. And uh, joy is in our heart this day as we uh, think about the great gift of Jesus' presence among us. Uh, this morning we want to take a look at that wonderful Christmas carol, Joy to the World, and we'll do it uh, using a three-part sermon here. First, we're going to find out who the author was, and uh, then second, we'll, we'll take a look at Psalm 98, which uh, was a part of the formation of this cantata we just had. Uh, Psalm 98 is the inspiration for Joy to the World, and then a couple of uh, Christmas Advent lessons for us before we leave today. So the author of Joy to the World is Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts was an uh, English poet and a clergyman, kind of a renegade. He was not a member of the Church of England. Uh, he was an upstart clergyman and credited with some 750 hymns, including some of our favorites, you know, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, that great Lenten hymn, and then uh, the hymn that we'll probably sing Christmas Eve, Our God, Our Help in Ages Past. That was Isaac Watts, 750 uh, hymns he wrote. Uh, he's recognized as the godfather of English hymnody. He was born in 1674, and when he was in his 40s, he published a book of poems that were based on the Psalms. And uh, he used some of the New Testament theology that he preached in order to interpret some of those old psalms in the Holy Scriptures. And of course, one of them was Psalm 98. We uh, heard parts of it read to us uh, earlier in this, uh, in this service. Well, they didn't work together, but the composer of the melody for Joy to the World was none other than George Friedrich Handel. Of course, Handel is most famous for Handel's Messiah. Uh, they were contemporaries, Watt and Handel. And uh, portions of the musical tune for Joy to the World actually come from portions of Handel's Messiah. For example, the first four notes, Joy to the World, are also the first four notes of Lift Up Your Heads from uh, the Messiah, and that'll be all your pastor will be singing for you this morning. <laughs> now, these two giants did not connect the poem with the melody, even though on, uh, on uh, the slide uh, you see that uh, Watt's name is over on the left and Handel's is over on the right. It was done later by a Boston music teacher here in America by the no name of Lowell Mason. Uh, Mason, by the way, also wrote that uh, funeral hymn, Nearer My God to Thee. So we got a bunch of giants. But these two English giants and then an American music teacher really gave us joy to the world based upon Watt's poem regarding Psalm 98. Now let's look at Psalm 98. We don't know who wrote it. You know, some of the Psalms we know were written by King David. Uh, King David did not write this one. We don't know exactly the circumstance under which the author wrote this Psalm, but it was obviously after some great victory that God had given to the children of Israel. Uh, maybe it was a military victory. I don't know. Maybe it was coming back from the Babylonian captivity. But whatever, 
uh, there is reason to shout for joy. As a matter of fact, that's what the whole psalm is built upon. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand, here is his power, and his holy, holy arm have worked salvation. He saved us. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. So the psalmist wants all the nations that surround Israel to know the power, you know, the right arm, right? The power of the God of Israel. And the Lord, how does he make his power known? Well, it is, first of all, for uh, the saving of his people. As a matter of fact, the first reason for joy in the world, uh, next slide, is because God has come to save his people. He has done marvelous things, the psalm says. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation. The nations surrounding Israel needed to know who it was that saved the children of Israel, gave them victory, if you will. And if there's reason for joy, then the Lord has come to save his people. The reason for joy, of course, doesn't stop there. Yes, Israel had a Savior that saved them from worldly enemies, and we have a Savior that saves us from sin, death, and the power of the devil. The whole world has received rescue from the wrath of God through the Savior, Christ the Lord. Remember what the angels said to the shepherds? We'll be reminded of it again in a couple of weeks. Unto you is born this night in the city of David a what? A Savior, who is Christ the Lord. But Psalm 98 reminds us there's a second reason for joy to the world. The Lord has come to serve as our King, not only our Savior, but our King. Remember the coronation of great King David or the coronation of great King Solomon? Make a joyful noise. Those were great celebrations. Pink candle kind of celebrations, huh? Uh, Pastor Smith, next week, the uh, song of salvation is uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And what is the refrain? Glory to the newborn king, right? Verse 6 of Psalm 98 says, With trumpets, with the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the king. All the nations around Israel needed to know the power by which God ruled his people was the power of a savior king. The Lord is our savior, the Lord is our king. There's a third reason for joy to the world, and that is that the Lord has come to be our judge. The psalmist says in verses 8 and 9, Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy, for he comes to judge the earth. And he will judge the world with righteousness and his people with equity. Here in the midst, I guess, of Advent, it is good to be reminded of the second coming of our Lord when he will come to judge the living and the dead. Now that should, I suppose, scare the H-E-double-L. I guess I'm not supposed to say the word. That should scare the H-E-double-L out of people. But sadly, today, in our unbelieving culture, people don't even think about the end of the world and of the necessity of standing before the judge. And standing before the judge at the end of the world is even terribly misunderstood by people within the church. You see, the judgment, the judgment for sin has already occurred. 
It came on a cross on a Friday we now call good. And for those who by faith know Jesus Christ as Savior and King, the fact that he is our judge is filled with joy. It is simply the culmination, the completion of his salvation plan, of his victory over sin, death, and the devil. And so believers even say, come Lord Jesus. The nations surrounding Israel need to know the power by which the Lord, their God, will judge the world with equity. So our famous Christmas carol, Joy to the World, teaches us how our Lord is our personal Savior, King, and Judge. Let's look again at the four verses of Joy to the World. Verse 1, joy, joy, joy. Let earth receive her king. Verse 2, repeat the sounding joy. A savior reigns. No more let sin and sorrow be the curse that can be found. No, because they are dealt with. The savior gets rid of sin, verse 3. And verse 4, by God's grace and truth, we love our judge because of the wonders of his love, the wonders of his love. As you sing that carol, think about these things this Christmas. Christmas is a stressful time for most people. For some people, of course, it's a time of loneliness because maybe they've lost a loved one and there's uh, no longer with them, right? There's physical illness and there's mental illness. There are broken relationships. This can be a tough time of the year for some people. There are gifts to buy and meals to prepare and trips to take and parties to attend, church services to go to, weather interruptions, you know, snow, blizzards, stuff like that. Christmas preparation can be frustrating and stress-filled. Maybe you've heard the story that, of the woman who was doing her last-minute shopping and she was fighting the crowds and standing in line. She was sick of it all. Her arms were filled with with, with a presence when the elevator doors finally opened as she wanted to go up to the second floor. And of course, the elevator was full. Sure it was. Frustration. But the other people in the elevator just kind of pushed aside, squeezed together, so that she was able to get in. And as soon as the doors closed, she finally blurted out in frustration, whoever is responsible for this whole Christmas thing ought to be arrested, strung up, and shot. And from the back of the elevator came a quiet voice that said, Don't worry, lady. They already crucified him. The wonders of his love. Above the manger, there loomed a cross. And in the midst of a world with deep, deep problems and dark, dark issues in our culture, empty, empty lives, we need the wonders of God's great love in the babe of Bethlehem. We need the truth and the grace by which he rules the world. Speaking of the babe of Bethlehem, let me close with a, a story I read recently by Bret Hart. It's, it's called The Luck of Roaring Camp. It's about Wild West days. Roaring Camp was the toughest mining town in the West. There were more murders and thefts than any other place around. Roaring Camp was inhabited entirely by men, miners, except for one woman 
who made her living the only way she knew how. You can imagine what that was. Her name was Cherokee Sal. Well, eventually Cherokee Sal became pregnant and gave birth to a baby girl. She died in childbirth, and no one knew who the father might be. Could have been any number of men. So they put the baby girl in a box with some old rags underneath her, but somehow that just didn't seem right. So one of the men rode 60 miles to buy a beautiful rosewood cradle. And they put the rags and the baby girl in the beautiful new cradle, cradle, but now the rags just didn't seem right. So another man rode to Sacramento, purchased some silk and lacy blankets, and the men lined the cradle with silk and tucked the new blanket around the baby girl, and then someone noticed that the floor under the cradle looked dirty. So the next thing you know, a few of those big tough men got down on their hands and knees and scrubbed the floor until it was spotless. Of course, then the walls and the ceiling didn't look so good, and the dirty windows looked awful. So they washed down the walls and the ceiling, and they even hung some clean white curtains on the windows. Things were beginning to look a lot better now, but they soon realized they had to give up carousing and fighting. After all, the baby needed to sleep. And babies can't sleep during a brawl. Besides all that, the baby didn't like the angry voices. So the men started smiling and talking pleasant to one another. And since babies couldn't be left alone, they arranged it so that the cradle would be set by the entrance of the mine. And when all the workers went into the mine, there would always be one who would stay out and watch the little girl. And somebody noticed how ugly the mine entrance was, and so they planted some flowers and made a little garden, garden there in front of the mine. And as they worked, the men looked for shiny little stones that they could use as playthings for the little baby. But when the stones got near her, they realized that their hands were filthy, dirty. And they didn't want to scare the little baby with all their scraggly hair and ugly beards, and so pretty soon, the general store was sold out of soap and shaving equipment. You got the picture of Roaring Clant Camp? The baby changed everything. The baby changed everything. And I hope that story gives us reason to really have joy in our hearts over the next two weeks because the baby changes everything. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has saved us from the curse of sin. Sin no longer has any curse. The Savior reigns. The curse is gone. We ought to live like that, as though the victory is ours. And, and as though we have a king, don't knock him off the throne of your heart. Put him up there every day. Begin your day and end your day under the rule of a Savior king and live under his word and will. We have a king for every moment of our life. And never forget, he judges us, not through our own miserable lives, but through the holy, perfect, sacrificial life of the baby who changes everything, who went to the cross and the cross to the tomb, and the tomb couldn't hold him because the victory is complete. As Advent rushes by, 
and Christmas breezes by in the year of our Lord 2022, don't you dare turn the page into 2023 without preparing your heart with an honest recommitment to a fresh and new spirituality, a closer and closer connection to the word and the sacrament, a desire to carve out more and more time for service to Christ's church and to your neighbor. I invite you all to really make this Christmas matter with joy in your hearts. And for those of you who are worshiping with us online, I want to give a special invitation to you to, to maybe go outside in one of the clear nights of this Christmas season and look up into the stars and beyond the stars know that there is a God in his heavens who looked down upon this earth and sent his only begotten son to a little town in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago to be your savior, your king, your judge. Our dearest Jesus, holy child, make the abed soft undefiled within our hearts that they might be quiet chambers kept for thee. Will you bow your heads to pray? Gracious God, Heavenly Father, all praise be to you this Pink Candle Sunday. For we give you our joyful hearts, asking, O Lord, that you fill us these days. Fill us this, these days with a real focus on what Advent and Christmas are, are all about. Send joy especially into the hearts of the Kastners as they celebrate an anniversary, Anna Greminger as she celebrates her birthday. Be with, O oh Lord, our church and school, all the worship services that are coming up uh, uh, before us. Be with our country, O oh Lord. Help us to be a more peace-loving nation. Among the nations of the world, O oh Lord, bless and protect missionaries near and far. The preaching of your gospel, let it be filled with the power of your Holy Spirit in these days. And of all things, O oh Lord, just start within our own hearts to make us realize there's nothing more important than the gift you gave at Christmas. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.